the German sailors and the Graf Space Commander, Captain Hans Langsdorff, the first naval battle of the present European war has ended in defeat. In their encounter with three British men of war, 60 of the sailors aboard the Spey were wounded. They are being taken to hospital. That's a clip from a British newsreel reporting on a Second World War naval battle off the coast of South America that pitted a Nazi officer, Captain Hans Langsdorff, and his battleship against a flotilla of British warships. The British won, the Germans lost, and while Langsdorff was reportedly ordered to blow up his own ship, which he did, his 1,000 sailors were taken prisoner. Then he killed himself rather than face the wrath of Adolf Hitler. The town of Ajax, east of Toronto, is named after one of the British warships in that story, HMS Ajax. In fact, they like to honor this wartime legacy there, and in 2007, Ajax named a street after the dead Nazi captain too. It took nearly 15 years until critics succeeded in getting Ajax to change the street name, but it wasn't unanimous. Former mayor Steve Parrish also lobbied council to keep the street name as is. Last weekend, Parrish was officially nominated as the NDP candidate to run in the upcoming Ontario election, and that was the last straw for one Jewish NDP official. I think someone can have said things that are anti-Semitic without actually being anti-Semitic. I'm not going to go on the record and call Steve Parrish an anti-Semite, um, but I think it's a blind spot for a lot of people. I'm Ellen Besner, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like for Thursday, January the 27th, 2022. Welcome to the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Emma Cunningham has been an NDP volunteer for many years, in several elections and at several levels. Until last week, when Steve Parrish got nominated in Ajax, Cunningham, who was president of a neighboring NDP riding association, quit. Then she went public on Twitter and she called out the Ontario NDP for a long history of anti-Semitism. While Parrish has now apologized for offending Jewish people in Ontario and beyond when he supported keeping the street name, and NDP leader Andrea Horvath told the CJN she'll work to stamp out anti-Semitism in her party, that's not good enough for Emma Cunningham. Coming up, she'll be here to tell you why. But first, here's what's making news elsewhere in Canada right now. Hi, I'm Robert Rotenberg in Toronto, and this is what Jewish Canada Sounds like. Ontario's Liberal Party has banned a candidate from running for the nomination in Newmarket Aurora in the same upcoming June election. Shamila Shaquille was dropped, but the party wouldn't say why. Jewish groups had protested the candidacy after some anti-Israel postings the woman made on social media, where Shaquille spoke out in favor of Javier de Villa. He's the Toronto School Board employee who was found to have sent anti-Semitic learning materials around to teachers that encouraged terrorism against Jews in Israel. Shaquille says she accepts the decision, but seems to have now blamed special interests for silencing Muslim and Middle Eastern candidates. The Liberal Party's nomination meeting deadline in that area is February the 12th. We've reached Emma Cunningham at her home in Pickering. You've had a very busy few days uh, with a flurry of media coverage after you posted your Twitter thread. So let's uh, take a step back a bit. Um, what was the thought process that went through your mind when you decided to go public with your uh, your struggles? Well, I've been talking to the NDP for some time about anti-Semitism. Um, as you saw from my Twitter thread, there's been a number of candidates who have gotten through vetting, uh, despite the fact that there's been some anti-Semitism in their history. 
I know the vetting process pretty well, having been the chair of my candidate search committee for a couple of runs. I've known several people who've run for the seat. Uh, one person in particular was asked to take down tweets from when she was younger because they thought they sounded too immature. So how come that's being caught, but not somebody asking, you know, is Auschwitz real? Um, and we've been talking to them for quite some time and we've been open and vulnerable about the struggles of Jewish people in the party. And to then have them announce Steve Parrish in Ajax um, was a shock and it felt like a slap in the face. And so that's when I, I let the party know that, you know, I'm out, I, I, I can't do this anymore. And I was having a hard time getting media to, to pick up the attention. So I made a tweet go viral. So the thing is that, you know, the party was, uh, was, was founded and some of it's, it's, you're standing on the shoulders of people like, you know, Stephen Lewis and, and his father and, 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 you know, there's lots of Jewish NDP in the federal level. Um, and they had issues during the last September election with several candidates and Jagmeet Singh came down hard on them too, and they're out. So do you, what do you make of, of the difference in, um, are they ignorant? Are they not paying attention or is this more sinister in Ontario? So I would actually disagree with one of the things you said about Jagmeet coming down on the candidates. So um, with one in particular who ran in Toronto, um, her tweet accusing Israel of hoarding vaccines came out and the party did nothing for two days and then allowed her to step down rather than instantly removing her. Um, so I don't think that they came down on her very hard. And I, I do think that's a problem. Um, I think we're looking kind of at two options here. One is sheer incompetence, um, where the vetting system is just not set up to catch words like Israel, Holocaust, Auschwitz, that it really should be. Or someone on the vetting team is looking at these and deciding that they're not a deal breaker. And I don't know which one it is, um, but having a best case scenario of, of incompetence is, is not something I can get behind. This brings to sort of a, a broader picture of, you know, you mentioned your vetting process. This was well known. It's 2007. The statements were known then, but why didn't anybody pick up on it now? So I, I'm not in Ajax. I'm next door in Pickering. So while I was aware of the story at the time, I have to admit it did slip my mind until Brian Lilly in The Sun brought it to light. Um, and that's where I saw it. That's where I came across it. Um, and nobody progressive was covering it. And, you know, progressive voters are not reading Brian Lilly in the Sun. Um, I'm surprised I came across it. What did you learn so far from what your sort of journey in this last few days about this? Um, it's been really tiring and really sad. Last night was probably the first night I've slept since the night before the tweet thread. Um, I've had a lot of relationships go up in smoke, um, but I've also seen, you know, who kind of stuck by me. And the Pickering Uxbridge Riding Association, the candidate we were running here, Khaled Ahmed, have really had my back, uh, despite me setting my relationship with the NDP on fire. Um, it's been really nice to see them standing up for Jews and standing up for me. And even though they're not blowing up their relationship, um, having those conversations with the party that, that need to be had, uh, even though no one else on the team is Jewish. And how did you first, what was it about the NDP that originally attracted you to to go out with them and now you're breaking up but you know why did you fall in love with the NDP where did you fit in those days honestly I I still think the NDP is is the best of the options I think they're still the most progressive the most 
standing up for social justice issues, for housing affordability, for um, equal wa wages, uh, for for even uh, anti-racist training. I think they they do a really good draw a job with anti-black racism, with Islamophobia. I just think there's a real gap when it comes to Jews. And that's all I'm trying to do is get the NDP to fix that. And then would you consider coming back? I don't think they'll take me back. <laughs> because now where would you go? Now where's a home for you? I don't have a home. Is there a home for you? There, is, there is no home for me. There's no other party that reflects my politics as well as the NDP does. Um, as it is, I tend to swing left of the NDP. Um, but I, I guess I kind of become a switch voter. All right, so it's not the first um, place in Canada that has naming issues. Um, and so, but when you drill down into this particular one, um, even the captain Langsdorf's daughter is now trying to rehabilitate her father's wartime record after 80 years. On paper, Langsdorf looks like a pretty good guy. If we're grading Nazis, he's probably one of the better ones. Um, you know, he has a great military military record in that his job was to uh, sink merchant ships and he made sure everyone got off alive before he sank them. Uh, he did save his, his crew at the end against Hitler's orders. So absolutely, he did a lot of great things. He also wrote in his suicide letter that he was a supporter of the Fuhrer and the, the Third Reich. He spoke with a British prisoner of war and talked about how Hitler was the only person to shape um, children, and he was um, a prophet, not a politician. Um, I've gotten into a lot of debates with people over the past little while where they say, you know, that sounds like an insurance policy in the suicide letter. And sure, I mean, his wife did lose out on the pension because he committed suicide. So absolutely, it could have been um, self-preservation for his family. But there's no historical evidence that actually supports that. So all I can really go off of are the words that he said. Uh, we do know that he did have his sons in Hitler Youth. Um, Parrish said that he didn't have any sons, but in fact, we, we know he did. Uh, one who in particular fought alongside the Nazis until his death in 1944. Um, so, you know, it, it is controversial. Par um, Parrish is not wrong that he, he did a lot of good. And again, if we're grading Nazis, he comes out at the top. But ultimately, anyone who fought under Hitler should not be honored here. Are there Holocaust or Second World War veterans or any of that in your family that you're aware of? So my mother's father was there on Kristallnacht. He was beaten within an inch of his life. He was forced to clean the streets with his yarmulke. Uh, he and his family escaped and went to the U.S. Uh, my mom grew up there. He got progressively more orthodox as she got older and older and disowned her when she married a non-Jew. Um, so my dad is Catholic, Irish Catholic. Um, when I was about 13, her mom had a stroke and they got back in touch. So I got to know them a little bit over a few years, but then I married a non-Jew and got cut off again. And I think this really speaks to intergenerational trauma. I think when you've been through something like Kristallnacht, it makes it very hard to trust and rely on anyone outside your circle. And I think that pain really filter down generations and it hit me hard too right i was really angry at the jewish religion for a long time because i saw what it did to my mom and i saw how upsetting it was to be cut off like that and it took me quite a quite a while to be able to reconnect and and understand kind of where he came from and and what happened there and how it 
impacts your entire worldview. And now I'm bringing up my children. We're doing, you know, all the Jewish holidays. I speak weekly with a rabbi from Chabad. um, And I've really spent the past few years uh, getting back in touch with, with my history and my culture. And that's what Jewish Canada sounds like for this episode of the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Integrity, community, quality, and customer care. Today's listener shout-out goes to Belle Jarneski, the Executive Director of the Jewish Heritage Centre of Western Canada in Winnipeg. Belle was making news of her own this week when she was interviewed by the CBC in Manitoba about the new book that blames a Jewish man from Holland as the person who betrayed Anne Frank to the Nazis, but Jarneski explains why she doesn't believe it. Well, it would seem that the evidence was so circumstantial And based on the fact that someone had sent a note, supposedly, to Otto Frank uh, saying that he was the guilty party, really not much to to base it on. And, of course, the idea that people will be left with is that a Jew betrayed another Jew. And in this climate of anti-Semitism, especially now, that is very worrisome that it would even increase anti-Semitism today. (laughs) 